0: Welcome to Season 4, Episode 12 of Beyond the Zero, I'm host Ben, joining me today is Douglas Suttle. Doug is a writer and translator, and he is the founder of the wonderful Fum de Estampa Press. Welcome to the show, Doug.
1: Hi, Ben, how are you doing?
0: I'm really well. You're joining me from a very warm Catalonia today. How's life over there?
1: Uh, Yeah, it's good, it's good. It's, yeah, I mean, it's hot. It is pretty hot. Um, Although, I don't know, I kind of expected it to be hotter, but uh, but yeah, it's a little bit uncomfortable to, to say the least.
0: But, uh, yeah. Are you in Barcelona itself?
1: No, no. Uh, probably about about an hour outside uh, in, a, in a sort of a town, on the outskirts of a town where I've lived for the last few years. So deep Catalonia, so to speak, you know? Wow.
0: Okay. So can you tell us, uh, people who haven't been to Spain, what should we go do if we come and visit Spain?
1: <laughs> well... I can't really talk about the whole of Spain because I don't really know it all that well, although, um, I don't know, like Madrid is apparently quite nice and those kind of places. But I, can, but in terms of Catalonia, um, well, I, I don't know. It, it depends what you want to do. Um, Barcelona's got like, a lot of cool museums. You can go to bars and restaurants and stuff like this. I'm not much of a beach kind of person unless it's sort of pebbles because... The idea of coming out of sort of slightly dirty water and then getting covered in <laughs> sticky dirty sand <laughs> isn't isn't like the most the most uh, appealing to me. But um, what can you do? I don't know. Like uh, there, are, I mean, I, I enjoy the mountains. Like uh, my wife and I, we go up to we go walking in the mountains quite a lot. Do a few fairly high peaks, um, which is which is good. And then out in the countryside, well, of course you've got the wine, you've got the vineyards, um, and then you've got things like uh, I don't know, monasteries and historical stuff. I like all that kind of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, the things that I would do, I probably most people probably wouldn't wouldn't come to Catalonia or Barcelona to do. But then I don't like Biarla, and uh, you know, and I like looking at old ruins and castles and churches mm-hmm. and. <laughs> that kind of stuff. So I don't know like um I'm not sure Doug's guide to Catalonia would be a would be a particularly good seller I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well obviously you grew up in the UK. Do you want to tell us how you got from the UK over to Spain?
1: Um yeah. Well like I mean I traveled around sort of Latin America quite a bit when I was younger. And then I got back to the UK, and I was sort of arming and eyeing about what to do. And I said, "Well, you know, how about uh, how about I go and, and and instead of like sort of traveling around a Spanish-speaking um, region of of the world, part of the world, um, why don't I go live there for a little while and just see what happens?" And that that, that, that therein is the joke because I came to Catalonia, mm-hmm. and then I sort of started walking around the streets in this ru- these rural towns in Catalonia, thinking well this is a weird this is a weird spanish i don't you know i don't get mm. this and it turns out that it was because uh, i'd come to uh, a part of spain that doesn't necessarily speak spanish so so it, it was it was just that really i uh, just a sort of uh, an idea of of uh, um not quite ready to settle down or at least not quite ready to settle down in the uk mm. and that was that was quite a long that was quite a long time ago now and um yeah, it is what it is. I don't
0: know. And so now you specialise in translating from Catalan. What got you into that idea of translation? And do you want to tell us about that linguistic difference between Spanish and Catalan?
1: What got me into translation? Um, I think I just needed a job, basically. Mm. Um, and uh, and I, I enjoyed the – I mean, I, I, I like the language – very much I think it's a really beautiful language it's um it's very interesting interesting language and I like I like the fact that you know it's kind of although they don't like calling it this but a minority language so to speak mm-hmm. they don't like calling it a minority language say well you know we're we're, we're eight eight or nine million speakers you know how can you call it a minority language it's so, all right fine um and yeah I mean you know I I uh, I've done a few jobs over here and and whatnot and um I just I don't know I just I, I enjoyed it and I guess I I did all right at it and um and here here I am really and so and then and then the difference between between Spanish and Catalan well obviously, obviously it's 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 the classic question really mm. isn't it. Uh, the difference between Spanish and Catalan, but the thing is, you could ask the same question about the difference between Spanish and Italian, mm. uh, because um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I wouldn't say they're equally different, but they're uh, they're different languages in their own rights, linked um, through 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 their past with mm. uh, with Vulgar Latin basically, and Latin. So um, I I mean I like to say that Catalan is kind of like a, a mix between Spanish and French, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So uh in terms of vocabulary, a lot of a lot of the words are similar. You know, I mean you say hola in Spanish and you say hola in Catalan
2: mm-hmm. and that means
1: hello. Um for those of you <laughs> who mm-hmm. know. um but um you know and casa and casa that means house uh but that's fine. But then it's when you start getting into sort of the grammar which uh which is when it starts really getting Quite different. Um, I think. I think the way uh, modern Catalan forms its past tenses is just it's just wild. Basically, it is absolutely bananas. It in it, its um, so basically you take the verb to go, which is anar. Um, notice the difference between anar and ir, which is which is the Spanish verb to go. So it's quite different. In fact, it's more Italian, isn't it? It's more mm. similar to the Italian, um, and And uh, you take the verb to go, and then what you do is you conjugate that verb. So I, you, we, they, he, she, it, or the plural, or whatever. Um, And then you say the word to go, and then you follow it with a verb. And that's the way to do it in the past, which you think about it. It's crazy because obviously in the UK, it's, you know, I go to sleep, or I am going to sleep, or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's in the future, isn't it? You know, something you're going to do, that's something you're doing. Or whatever. Whereas in Catalan, it's, it's I go, literally, I go to sleep would be I slept. Mm-hmm. Which is just, which is just, you know, and that's a very, very different way of of forming the tenses uh, to the Spanish. Right. Um, and, you know, and then if you look at sort of uh, the verbs, for example, the verb to eat in Spanish, comer. Um, in Catalan, it's menja. So again, you know, manger in French, mengiare, Excuse my Italian accent, not good. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, and, and and so the verbs are quite different. You've got uh, I don't know, abui, abui, which is today, similar to aujourd'hui. You know, in French, uh, demain, which is tomorrow, similar to demain. Again, excuse my <laughs> excuse my horrible French accent. Um, anyway, so that's kind of like you know. So there are there are obviously similarities. But there's similarities from the fact that these are two languages that are basically grown up touching each other mm. in terms of the, their physical physical location, and also the fact that they're they're from the same family, which is you know the um, Romance languages. So of course mm. there are similarities, but there are also some serious differences. And so and so I would say that yeah, it's kind of like a mixture between French and Spanish with a bit of Italian thrown in there.
0: So in terms of today, in terms of speaking and writing, are there mm. Catalan purists uh, in terms of in terms of that kind of thing? Like are there people who just will speak strict Catalan or write in strict Catalan? Or is it now like a mixture?
1: Yeah, I mean Yeah, there are Catalan. Yeah, definitely there are Catalan purists. I, I mean I mean basically ev- everyone is is bilingual.
2: Mm.
1: For a start. Spanish in Catalan everyone's bilingual some of the uh, the far right wing nut jobs
2: mm-hmm.
1: will try and tell you no 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 you know like people don't students don't speak uh spanish in 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 the country blah blah blah, mm-hmm. blah. i mean it's 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 a lie it's, it's simply mm-hmm. not true everyone is bilingual to various stages you know someone who's been brought up in uh, an international um, environment in the middle of barcelona mm-hmm. Is obviously going to be more bilingual than the farm boy who uh, has only ever gone to you know like the, the rural the village school in the middle of Catalonia, obviously. Yeah. But I mean, everyone, in essence, can speak the two languages, mm. you know. So um, I can't remember where I'm going with this now. There are there are people who who speak who whilst they can whilst they are bilingual, there are people who will make a point of only speaking. Catalan,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, but I think it's only recently that that was kind of that's kind of become a bit of a bit of a political issue, mm-hmm. obviously with the independence movement and things like this. Because speaking your language is simply speaking your language. I mean, there's no there's no other. You know, it, it it's the language that you were brought up in mm-hmm. um, in the area where you where you were brought up. Mm-hmm. So I don't really see it as a kind of like a being a purist or not. It's simply speaking a language that's your mother tongue um, in an area where that language is spoken. Now, <clears throat> obviously, recently, it, you know, um, and unfortunately, there are these sort of cultural wars that have been <clears throat> that are being waged due to the certain, due to the political situation um, because obviously independent people who are in favor of independence are more likely to speak catalan mm-hmm. than people who are against independence who are perhaps more likely to speak spanish so again that now we now we've got the two languages on our, on different sides of, the, of, of, of a fence which mm-hmm. means that purely by speaking catalan and refusing to to use um another language is seen as a political thing whereas really it shouldn't be it should be seen as in my opinion it should be seen as something completely and utterly normal um mm. a basic human right uh, to speak the the language that that you've always spoken I mean mm. I don't know that's yeah. that's it so, I mean so it, it, it is it's very politicized and, and it's an it's unfortunate but yeah, sure I mean like I mean, it, it happens to me a lot a lot you know, I walk into, a, I might walk into somewhere in Barcelona
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I'll say good morning to them in Catalan. They'll say good morning to me in Spanish. They'll talk to me in Spanish. I'll talk to them in Catalan.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and that's that's fine. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to have, a, I mean, we understand each other. Yeah. I'm going to use Catalan because I feel more comfortable using Catalan. they're going to use Spanish, I'm assuming, because they feel more comfortable in Spanish. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, not going to start saying, no, no, you've got to use Catalan. Or, mm. and you know and if they say you've got to use Spanish then well you know I'll say no yeah. but uh you know I mean I, but yeah I mean' it's, as I said, it's it's really highly politicized and it's it,
2: mm.
1: but it's it's it is what it is I mean I it's and, you know we'll 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 see this weekend there are there are the elections the general elections in Spain and it looks like you know well the far right is, is uh on the rise. We'll okay. see. Difficult times. Ahead. Yeah. Very much. Okay. So.
0: Very so, what's going to happen in this election?
1: Uh, so basically, last month, was it last month, yeah, I think it was last month. There were um, local elections,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, the the ruling party, so uh, PSOE, which is the, um, the Socialist Party of of Spain.
0: Yeah.
1: Um who who you know who, who are in charge at the moment they, they took an absolute pounding by the the, the PP uh, which is the popular party um which are, which are the right wing guys and uh, and their sort of like extreme right um offshoot which is called Vox
2: mm.
1: and they t- they took an absolute pounding and so um so a lot of a lot of local governments um are now being governed by the pp which is a conservative uh party in uh in what do you call it like uh you know and when, when when they're supported by these 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 fascist right so it's um, a coalition it's a coalition that's it that's, yeah. thank you um you know, so it's a coalition between the pp and vox and so based based on the back of this uh, the spanish prime minister said all right whoa, okay we're going to call a snap general election because mm. people are obviously not happy with what we're doing right. so now we've got, a, we've got a general election this um this weekend um and yeah i mean if you look at the 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 surveys you know the street surveys or whatever what do you call those things
2: the, the polls uh, yeah
1: polls yeah sorry i is my brain. Um Yeah, so if you look at the polls, like, I mean, you know, you can imagine sort of the, the 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 two main parties. The PP is a little bit higher, and then you've got the Socialists a little bit lower. But then right after the Socialists, you've got like this fascist party Vox, which mm-hmm. is just like, just it's just insane. Like, you know, they they love Franco. I mean, mm-hmm. what you know? Anyway. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. So it's all getting rather political, politicised, and 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 whatnot. But I think I think I I think Catalan-speaking Catalan shouldn't be some some kind of political statement. Mm. It should just be normal. Yeah, that's basically what I'm trying. To
0: do. <laughs> okay, well, it kind of leads on nicely to what I want to ask you next. Because in recent years, we've seen a lot more Catalan literature out there, and I think there obviously was some repression of the language in the past. But do you mm. have some? I guess some thoughts about some of the recent works that have come out in catalan and some of the highlights of catalan literature that have come out recently
1: um yeah i mean you're absolutely right like obviously there was there was repression at the very beginning of the dictatorship there was total repression you know mm. and as, as as the years went by even though there were there was there was still repression it was slowly but surely sort of sort of eased a little bit actually i have one or two uh um like copies of some quite famous um catalan poets mm. uh that some of their first books which were hand print, which are hand typed out sorry of a typewriter wow. yeah. uh, in secret because they, they they weren't allowed to publish it in catalan um which is kind of interesting. And that was kind of like early 70s, something like this. But anyway, as it was going through, it got, it got less and less repressed. But basically, I think one of the reasons that you've got so many Catalan um, titles coming out is the amazing work by the uh, Institut Ramon Llull. Yeah, so so basically, like, the Generalitat, so that's the Catalan government, uh, set up this institute to promote um, Catalan literature into foreign languages. And yeah, they're, they're, they're really, really great. They're doing an absolutely great job. And I'm not saying that because they're making me. Uh, no. we, we have had a fair share of uh, sort of disagreements and whatnot. But at the moment, we're getting on fine. And I have to admit, like, you know, they're, they're really, really good compared to loads of other um, uh, grant sort of institutions, grant-issuing institutions. They are really good. And, you know, they, they've, got, they've got offices around the world. And it's just clearly something... The, the Catalan government has has uh, has gone for and I think and I think I think it's working really well
0: basically amazing okay well let's talk about uh, your publishing house from Jeff Stamper. you founded the press in 2020 do you want to tell us a bit about starting a press and also what what does the name mean
1: <laughs> okay so the name um, uh, the name it's basically like kind of like the uh, the the dust, the black dust that's kicked up off um, off the ink uh, during typewriter? like manual hand, hand pressing. Yeah. Sorry.
0: Oh, it's going to say a typewriter. Like, okay. Interesting.
1: Yeah. So, so the hand pressing goes down and it goes, mm-hmm. and that, that's the form. Form is like smoke, you know, and the stamper. So smoke of of the stamp. I don't know. I was just I was just sitting around for ages thinking like what can I call this thing? What can I call this thing? And eventually a friend of mine said, What about form to And I said, All right, cool. That's it. So I mean, you know, I'd love to say, oh, you know, because it means this and that. It was just we just got to a point, we, I love saying we about form to It's just me. Mm. Um, I just got to a point where it's like, okay, well obviously it needs a name. So you know, let's call it that. And obviously it's linked to printing and I thought it was kind of cool. And um, yeah, the only problem is I didn't think about people asking me what it means uh, because I should have, because I still can't really (laughs) successfully tell people what it means. So (laughs) that was a bit, I should have thought about that better. But anyway, yeah. So that's what it means. And then setting up a press, um, well, um, setting up a press, setting up a press, well, I mean, I did it as a sort of, a, dare I say a hobby. Uh, I wanted to do something, I wanted to do a little bit of, you know, I know there are a lot of stuff that I liked coming out in Catalan literature, and I thought maybe I could I could do something. Um, but I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure you, I'm sure, I'm sure everyone knows really that it's sort of the publishing, the publishing world is very much sort of, uh, it's all rather pally and, you know, you're nobody until you're somebody. And then all of a sudden you're nobody and all this kind of stuff. And so there are an awful lot of people that I got in touch with in terms of printing or in terms of distribution or in terms of this or in terms of that, and they're all, you know, I mean, I was told so many times, "Don't bother." What are you doing? You know, or people just don't answer the don't answer the emails. Uh, I mean, it, you know, and it's pretty frustrating. But you just keep on sort of knocking on people's doors, and and eventually, I mean, you know, it's for example, we distribute with BookSource, and I'm really mm. grateful for BookSource with BookSource. I mean, I, I'm really grateful to BookSource um, because they took us on when when no one else would. You know, they took a chance took a chance on a, on a young kid with uh, <laughs> with a dream. You know? <laughs> uh, and, uh, and, you know, they made that kid's dream come true, you know, yeah. so thanks, bookstarts, you know, um, but it was also like, when, when I started talking to people about getting rights, like the rights are a whole, a whole nother shebang. And it, it's, um, you know, like, and I would I would get in touch with someone and I would say, oh, you know, I'd, I'd like to publish your book in English. Mm. No reply. Why? Well, because, you know, they haven't heard of you. They don't, you know, you're not, I don't know, whatever. You know? And then, of course, you know, a couple of years later, you might hear from them, mm. but that boat, that boat has sailed, I'm afraid. Mm. That ship has sailed. That train has left the station. Whatever you can edit that out as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it's incredibly frustrating. It's incredibly tiring, um, and uh, I, mean, I mean, you know, I, I had I had I have experience in um, you know in editing and stuff like this, but I didn't have experience in, in anything else.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I've got some friends who in 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 catalonia who who published books i could sort of ask them and you know throw some ideas around stuff like that and they were very helpful um so it was really just doing things like completely blind um and just figuring it out as 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 i went along Mm. basically and i think but i think that's i think that's good you know it's it's all part of the fun i mean you know you prepare up to a certain point and then you just gotta pull the trigger Mm. and see what happens um and it's 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 good fun it's good I like it yeah I'm, I'm I'm. proud I'm proud of I'm proud of it I think
0: I think that just the the way your books look has been so impressive to me and the way you've kind of some of these little books that have come out I'm thinking of the angel of Santa Sophia which I read recently yeah. which is just a gorgeous little book it's 100 pages it's presented beautifully um and it is like one of the best little novellas I've read in a very long time. But that must be one of the highlights of, of you know, of your work doing this. What are some of the other highlights that you've had?
1: Well, thank you very much. That is, that is very, very kind. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I mean, the books themselves, I well, it, it, it's kind of a case of balancing what you really want to do. Mm. And also money, you know, and pricing and stuff like this. I mean, I mean, in an ideal world, I would be William Morris at the Kelmscott Press, mm. you know, publishing three books, literally three, as in three copies a year, you know. Um, but I mean that wouldn't that wouldn't really cover the bills unless you charged, you know, sort of thousands for each one, which is what kind of happened. Well, anyway, more or less. Um so well, I always I always wanted to try to do something that looked kind of classy classy is that the word it looked classy I don't know if classy is the word it just looks I mean I I, I just think there's such a strong cor- correlation between beautiful books mm. and and literature you know I mean I, I think I think the way things are typeset is incredibly important um I've been you know at the design of the books I, I always knew that I wanted to kind of like a minimalist thing going on um, and that's a very european um thing or should i say continental i don't know what i should say now um, you know you go you, like catalan books they're all they're all quite minimalist and then you and then you look mm. at um, some of the french publishing houses and they're all quite minimalist etc I mean, well in fact you know like um uh, la fugitive um you know the and based in London, they have beautiful designs, all very very minimalist. Fitzcarraldo, you know, mm. um, very strong French influence there, and you can kind of see it. And that's kind of like one of the things that I wanted to wanted to do. Um, mm. I mean, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm I'm quite happy with that, and yeah, I'm very I'm very uh, yeah I'm, I'm I'm very happy that you like that you think that's worth mentioning. That's really good. Thank you. Um, in terms of highlights. Um, yeah, the Angel of Santa Sophia is great. Uh, I enjoyed publishing both the Montserrat Roger books, um, basically because she's she's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, um in terms of and I, I probably shouldn't mention it because it's my own translation, but um The Intimate Resistance by Joseph Maria Esquidol. Um I I'm very proud of having published that book. I think um it's It's a slow seller, but it's, but it's, it's a good, one, you know, keeps on going. And I I think it's great. I I love, I love publishing sort of slightly philosophical sort of things. Um, What else did I like? Well, I mean, mean, well, I mean, obviously I love all of them. They're all amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I don't know. I don't know. Highlights, highlights. They're all highlights really. Um, Oh, I, 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 another short book, um, and Finetta. Did Did you read that?
0: I haven't read that yet.
1: I'll, uh, I'll send, I'll send you a copy if you want.
0: Thank you. Um, please do. Let me, write,
1: let me write that down. Actually, maybe I, I don't know. Actually, actually I, I, I promised that very, very quickly. I think we might have run out, but if we haven't, I'll, I'll send you a copy. And if not, I'll send you a copy out of my, my own little personal stash, awesome. because um, that's that's really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a nice that was a nice book to do. Uh, Wild Horses was obviously pretty good. Uh, I enjoyed doing that. Um Yeah. Final Judgment, which is a collection of aphorisms by Joanne Foustaire, translated by Marianne Newman. That mm. was uh, that was good. I enjoy I, I enjoyed working with Marianne a lot. She's uh she's a um a model to follow, I think. Mm. Um yeah, very, very good. Yeah. Um, but as I said, they're all they're all they're all wonderful.
2: Yeah. All
0: right. I might ask you about what some of the things coming up are soon, but first I want to ask you about some of the chaotica by okay. Ventura. I'm going to fuck up his name. Um, Ametielia. I've fucked it up. Anyway, <laughs> it came out in the nineteen seventies. Do you want to tell us a bit about the author and also how you came across this book in the first place?
1: Well, all right. So first of all, the author, but the, the thing about how I came across it is well, moderately interesting, maybe. I don't know. Mm. Well we'll see. Um so the author, all right. So he was he was one of those guys, okay, who lived in he, well, he's from he's from a place called Pals, which is in Bash Empurda. Uh, which is, so Bash is like lower and Alt would be mm-hmm. higher. So you've got two Empordas, you've got Alt Empurda and you've got Bash Empurda, So it's like a little bit lower, kind of going towards Barcelona, you know, along mm-hmm. the coast. And um, so he was from, from this place called Pals, which he reimagines in the book as Poles. But anyway, um, he was a vet. Um, and he was a, a, an essayist, and he was a and novelist. He was a, and a, he
0: was a veterinarian, not like a Vietnam vet. He was a veterinarian, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, he was. He was. He was. Uh, yeah, he looked after animals. Um, mm. Yeah, not, not a Vietnam vet. <laughs> although that would have been pretty cool as well. Um, <laughs> something, something interesting to put in the biography at least. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah,
2: two
1: tours, two tours in Nam, um, and then came back to write a a <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, so and um, he was from his family and pals, and I don't really know, but I kind of get the feeling that he was one of those guys like he had a nice job, nice life, and he could dedicate himself to writing like crazy stuff because he enjoyed it and stuff like this. One of the very lucky few, I think, you know, in terms of writers who can just do stuff purely for the you know, for the love of art or whatever it is, you know. Um, He also wrote, uh, he wrote under a pseudonym for the local newspaper. Uh, He wrote loads and loads of book reviews and film reviews and stuff like this. He was was a critic. Um, He was also best friends. I don't know, maybe. Good friends. I don't even know that actually. What do I, what do I know? He knew quite closely um, Joseph Pla, who is... Arguably, maybe the most important Catalan writer of the 20th century. Some people are going to kill me for that, probably, but uh, he might be. I mean, I don't know. You know, um, very important. He, he his his the gray notebook. The gray notebook uh, was translated into English uh, by Peter Bush and translated and published by the New York Review of Books. If I'm not mistaken, I might be, or is it Archipelago? Well, one of them, uh, a New York-based one, uh, um, and uh, yeah, and he was kind of uh, excuse the phrase frenemies with uh, a poet called Salvador Espriu, uh, who and he sent his poetry to Salvador Espriu, and Salvador Espriu came back saying, "Don't ever write poetry ever again. This is awful." <laughs> so that was the start of a beautiful relationship. Um, Anyway, and so yeah, I mean, he's he's written like, I mean, thousands and thousands of pages, and um, only I think three of his books have ever been, have ever been published in Catalan. Um, I went I went over to his to his wonderful family, his daughter and her husband. Um, they li- they live uh, well. They have a house in Palos, and so uh, my wife and I we went over to to see them. And you know, we had like a coffee, and we were chatting about that like, project and stuff like this. And they said, "Oh, would well, you want to see his? Do you want to see where my father used to work, his office?" And said, "Obviously, please." So we went in there, and it was it's left pretty much how how it how it was. It was a bit tidier, I guess. You know, um, and they just started pulling out boxes, and uh, there were just bits of paper everywhere, notebooks everywhere, filled with handwritten stuff. And well, Summa Chaotica is the first of two books, Summa Caotica and the rest of Chaotica, which is going to be coming out next year, probably. Um, and uh, as they were going through it, they said, oh, I think here's the third part. So maybe there's a third part. Maybe there's a fourth <laughs> part. Who knows? It's all a bit crazy. Um, so
0: there it is. Yeah. Um, this is like the opposite what- of the Bolaño Archive.
1: It's kind of, yeah, as in nothing's ever been found. So it's all just sort of, sort of there. I don't know. It, it, he's an interesting guy. I, I would have liked very much to have met him, but uh, such is life. Okay. What was, the, what was the second thing you wanted to know? Uh, how uh, I discovered it? Yeah. Well, a couple of weeks ago, um, I went up to, to Powell's with um, a guy called Adria Pujol, who's a writer an amazing writer amazing writer. He's also done the prologue very kindly for this mm-hmm. for this book. He, he's from Bashinpurda as well. He's from that region. Anyway, so we went up there to have have lunch with the family and talk about one or two things. And uh, family asked me, and they said, oh, you know, well, remind me. How did you ever hear about Ventura Mayer for the first time? And I couldn't for the life of me remember. And I, and I just I just looked at Twitter before, and apparently it was uh, Matthias uh, Friedrich, who mm. sent me a tweet saying, hey, have you ever heard of this guy? So thanks to uh, thanks to Matthias, because I, I, I didn't even remember that. So thank you and apologies mm. for not remembering, but I do remember now, so.
0: <laughs> okay, very cool. Okay, Matthias, I think he, <laughs> yeah, follows his podcast. So there you go. Very cool.
1: Hi, Matthias. All right, cool, yeah.
0: Nice. <laughs> so I read... 100 pages of this book so far. And I was trying to figure it out because it is something you dive into from the beginning. And I wasn't sure whether it was com- some kind of Don Quixote legendary kind of quest thing or some kind of um, postmodern solenoid piece. Um, but it is so good to start. Um, just a fantastic book. But I have no idea where it goes. I have no idea even what the setup is. I couldn't summarize the setup. Um, can you do that for us and tell us what we're in for when we pick up this book?
1: All right. So Sumakata Gun is um, well, it's a story of a young boy um called well, a number of different names. His name changes mm-hmm. as he as he grows grows older and sort of develops or matures and things like this. Um I wouldn't like to definitely say it is, but I wouldn't be surprised if it wasn't based loosely on Ventura Maillet himself. Mm -hmm. That's not to say that this is an autobiography, however. And um, basically what what the book is about is about this young boy's experience um, as he grows up and how his surroundings change Due to the establishment of the republic in Spain, um, the collapse of the republic, the arrival of anarchists and communists, etc., uh, into the region, uh, the civil war, and finally the defeat um, of the republicans at the hands of the fascists, and <clears throat> the uh, establishment of a of a dictatorship. Uh again in the in the area. Now, obviously, Barcelona is the capital of Catalonia. Um however, what Ventura Mayer does is he gives us a sort of a shadow world where everything is kind of the same, but not quite the same. Uh, for example, uh, as I said, as I mentioned before, Ventura Mayer is from a place called Pals. Now, Ventura Mayer recreates PALs called Boels. Um And he fills it with many, many people, characters, who are actually from Pals. Their names might be changed, their faces, but effectively they're the same characters. And what he does is he kind of creates all of Catalonia in Empordà, Bash Empordà, which is the region. Um, And so when Nemesius... Um, or Menesius or Demesius, depending on uh, depending on who you talk to, um, who is obviously based on Franco, makes his triumphant arrival into the capital of the Bacchanard Empire, mm-hmm. which is Catalonia. He doesn't make his triumphant arrival into Barcelona; rather, he makes it into Poils, because for Ventura Mayer, Poils or Pals is the capital of Catalonia, otherwise known as the Bacchanard Empire. Now we can also we can already um start seeing some problems with the translations, basically. basically. Uh just the name, the Bacchanard Empire. Now obviously in well I say obviously in Catalan like in Spanish, the V and the B sound moderately, moderately the same.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you've got a uh, vacant empire. As in, people aren't all that clever, mm. and you've got bacchanals, which is kind of like drinkers and party goers and stuff like this. So there are already so many different levels of uh, play on words and things like this. Mm. But I mean, and that, that, but that's really all part part of the sort of the joy of it, really. Um, so that, I mean, uh, yeah, when when well, it, obviously the book starts off with proto in the womb, being mm. being created from an embryo, uh, and then and then and then it's you know through through many many different cultural refer- references, he's he's expelled out of the womb and, and into the world, very very much a sort of a Heidegger uh, Heideggerian sort of idea, as in, you know, sort of thrown into the world, um, and it, it and then the story really sort of charts charts his his rise his rise his sort of his development his, as he as he grows older um always very much tongue in cheek mm. always celebrating um the local and catalan culture and history always with a little sort of wink or a nod to certain things that um Ventura Mallé would have considered that any good catalan would know Mm. Um uh yeah, and so as Anamorphos gets older, he has certain sort of adventures and things like this. You're never quite sure on on which side of, of, of the fantasy we're supposed to fall.
2: Mm.
1: You know, I mean, there's one point where he goes up into the woods with with uh Esmolette and and his dog. And uh, the dog all of a sudden turns into sort of a werewolf and all this mm. kind of stuff, and they go on a, a quest to find the treasure. And then it's just at the critical moment when the monster's supposed to come out, and it's, of course the monster's a pig, and the treasure is is sweet corn and things like this. So, so the idea is, and, and well, and another example would be Anamorphos uh, as a child going up <clears throat> to the top of the. Uh, of uh, of Poel the the town, and um, looking up, and uh, he looks up at, the, at, at the, the clock tower, and and he sees the one eyed monster. He sees the one eyed giant. And of course, the bell being the one eye, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's very much a case of well, this is a story that we're supposed to take seen through a young boy's eyes, mm-hmm. basically. But then there's there's also an awful lot of fantasy. It's it's all mixed up with myth and legend and things like this. But I think it's one of the good things about it because I think you know it comes down to the reader. The reader has to decide, mm. you know, what's going on here? What, what's actually going on here? There's an awful lot of reading between the lines. It's not an easy book. It was horrific to translate. Mm. Horrific. Um <laughs> but uh and and then eventually, and also another th- interesting thing is the way. He treats fascism as as a sort of a, a mental illness, mm-hmm. so to speak, um, as in people people are sort of they sort of they sort of catch catch it, you, you know, so to speak. Um, and uh, I mean, it, it's really and and, and 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 the language is 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 incredibly rich. Uh, he uses an awful lot of emporianisms. Which are you know sort of like local local terms and, and vocabulary and phrases and stuff like this, um, but yeah, I, I, I think I think the main thing we can sort of take away from it would be that there's an awful lot of reading between the lines, and I think it's a very rewarding book in that sense. Mm. Um, as the translator, I have I have added in some footnotes. Mm. Basically, because I felt it was quite important to maintain the original names. Um, But because, I mean, for example, you know, were I to translate a story uh, about you, Ben, Mm. uh, into Catalan, I wouldn't change your name because it's your name,
2: Mm.
1: you know. So, but of course, well... So I wanted to keep the original names, but so many of these names are very descript- descriptive
2: mm.
1: names. So you know, you would have Alkosh del Now I wanted to maintain that because that's his name. You know, it's not. It's not like. Well, I'm assuming it's a nickname. I don't know, but that's. But as far as Ventura Medea is concerned, that's his name. That's the name we provided. So I would add a little footnote just letting you know that Kosh is basically sort of like. Lame or, or or cripple or, or mm. with a limb or something like this, you know. So there is there is that, but I, but apart, but but I, I mean, I've tried to keep those to the absolute minimum. Um, but at the same time, I, I honestly think that any reader could look up any one of these names, and you know, you you would you would be presented with with an incredible sort of panorama of Spanish and Catalan history. One of the problems is that a lot of the names are actually changed um, to something that might sound similar and, and, and things like this. It's, it's complicated, but it's rewarding. Okay. You know, it's not easy, but I think yeah. I don't necessarily think that the easiest things are the best things.
0: Mm. Uh, there's a lot of elements of this book so far that have reminded me of something like um someone rushed these midnight children because it's got that really mm. kind of strange historical air about it but also this consciousness of what's happening in the future like to where it's set so we get a bit of Hitler in there we get a bit of um you know we we get that whole you know Francoist regime obviously but we do get quite a bit of yeah. stuff that's set in the future in terms of actually when the book is is taking place
1: yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things that I tried to do in terms of tone when translating it was, I mean, this is this this story is is a story, this book is, 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 is one of those uh, plot devices where it's a manuscript that's been found, mm. you know, um, and that, that's like the big, that, that's the first couple of parts, you know, it's, it, it's this manuscript that's been found in, a, in an old library in a place called Sacreville um and uh so one of the things that in terms of tone that I tried to maintain was kind of like this historic epic mm-hmm. um tone a lot of you know quite a lot of ands you'll probably find quite a lot of and starting sentences and stuff like this mm-hmm. but, I, and, but I really and I, and I you know I've, I've tried to go quite easy, easy on it I haven't done it all the time but uh, I think um it's quite a useful thing because, because it's quite biblical in that sense. I mean,
2: mm-hmm. I, you
1: know, uh, what's, his, what's his name? Um, Cormac McCarthy used to use and an awful lot. And, you know, I, I remember reading something about it. It, it, it. it was the hammer, the hammer blow. And this happened, dong. And this happened, dong. And it's all very biblical and epic. And that was kind of one of the things that, that I used to try and make it sound a little bit more historic. It, um, mm. Etc. But then you're right, absolutely. At the other, on the other side of things, you know, you've got borderline sort of absurdities um, happening. uh, A lot of poo and farting, Mm. Uh, but that's very Catalan humour, you know. Um, You know, actually, if you speak to people of a certain age here, um, you know, and you'll say, "Oh, yeah, I'm from I'm from London or whatever." And uh, they go, Oh, wonderful, Os Jovers. Mm. You think, Whoa, the young ones, wow, okay. Mm. And they say, Ah, Nan Roj, red dwarf, mm. uh, Los Corsa Negra, <laughs> uh black Adam. you know. And so that the, the humor is very British in the sense, you know, mm. and, and that um scatological sort of ha ha. ha, ha. You know, he's done a fart and all that kind of stuff. Um, but then you've got another a, another one of these layers, these layers, whereby, yeah, I mean, he's basically telling the, the tale of of Europe. Mm. Um, you know, you've got, you've got you know Hitler makes an appearance, uh, always there, getting up to getting up to bad bad stuff. Um, and uh, as, you, as you get further on, there's an absolutely lovely chapter. I think it might be, if I'm not mistaken, chapter 58. So pretty much towards the end where um, a lot of the main characters have a big old meal together to celebrate mm. being alive and friendship. And they start they start reminiscing. And it's it's a great chapter because it's just, again, it's just wild. Like, obviously, you know, they're talking about flying cows and stuff like this,
2: mm. but it
1: all kind of links in and it's, 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 all, it's all done rather well
2: yeah
1: um after a hundred pages have they got have they got to Jobville yet
0: maybe not no they've not got there yet
1: okay very interesting I mean you can see that Ventura Malier is um is against any kind of totalitarian mm. um politics be it far left wing be it far right wing um and again, you know he criticizes these by painting a very very sort of negative picture of any kind of extreme extreme political political thought, be it anarchist or communist or fascist or 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 whatever. Um but yeah, yeah the, the chapter where they go to joville is is pretty shocking. Like, okay. You know. And it's basically Ventura Meyer saying this is what happens with anarchy,
0: more or, right. or less. Interesting. Scary. Okay. I'm so looking forward to reading this book. I'm waiting for the physical copy, but um, yeah, I just can't wait to keep reading it because it is, it's just fascinating me so far. And um, it is just in that vein of stuff that reminds me of Gravity's Rainbow or Midnight's Children or Solenoid mm. or one of those books that just shocks you and keeps you in the entire way. So can't wait to finish it.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, honestly, I really hope, I really hope you enjoy it. It's um I mean, it's, it's, it's been so, so difficult, like mm. so difficult. I mean, you know, modesty apart, so to speak, uh, I, I consider myself to have a pretty good level of Catalan in terms of vocabulary, you know, um, and yet with this, it was every other line heading to the dictionary, mm. trying, trying to figure out what the hell was going on. He has invented words. He's invented phrases. He's mashed up Spanish and Catalan, and he's mashed up Catalan into English, and he's mashed up English into Catalan, and it's just, it's just. I mean, it's 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 been a it's been a nightmare, an absolute nightmare, a wonderful nightmare. Oh yeah, but a nightmare, you know. Um, I don't know. I I mean, I guess you know, as both publisher and and translator, I'm I I, I just hope that. You know, pe- people enjoy it. Really, I think he's a writer who deserves more more recognition. So, mm. if by doing this I can, I can, I can help achieve that, then I th- I would consider my job, my job done, basically.
0: So I, I assume know. you're translating the second part,
2: then.
1: Yeah, probably. No, yeah, I am. I think <laughs> probably. Okay, so I can't even begin to think about that right now. I mean, it's just like it just depresses me thinking. All right, well we've we've got through this.
2: Yeah,
1: let's go to the second. Although the second part's a little a little bit more sort of like you know it's, it's not quite as balmy as the first as the first part. Okay, Um it's still pretty balmy, but it's it's just not quite as like you know what what the hell is going on.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. I mean, you must have got to the bit where uh, they're all in the the tavern, mm. and uh, Marceli is playing his violin,
2: yeah,
1: and it's just like this cacophony and stuff. And that's basically, you know, it's a representation of um, sort of Spanish society, mm. Spanish Catalan society. Uh, you know, where you've got some people shouting over here on the left, you've got some people shouting over here on the right, you've got this music, you've got the gypsies, um, you've got uh the uh sort of the Catalans, you've got the Spanish speakers, you've got mm-hmm. all this, and they're all in a they're all in a tavern, they're all drinking, and it all starts getting horrible going horribly wrong, and there's just a massive crack, and that's kind of like you know right, open, it, it kind of just like starts falling apart. But
0: um
2: Wow. Right. Okay. I do hope you'll,
1: well, you'll, well, you'll let me know,
0: right? Of course, absolutely. Yeah. No, I I will love it. Trust me. I, I I know my um, yes, I know what I like, and I'm loving it. So.
1: Cool. Well, I'm I'm glad. I'm glad.
0: Um. Yeah. All right. Well, in terms of the press and also your work, what what's coming up next?
2: So. Um, okay.
0: When's this coming out? Couple of weeks.
1: All right. So uh, we've got uh, a novel by a local writer called Mike Rafekas, which talks about um, well, it talks about family and land and history and mm-hmm. and sort of uh, up against sort of capitalist forces, dark, scary capitalist forces. When uh, it's a vineyard, the vineyard's been owned by the family for generations, and now. Now a, uh, a you know they, they they want to build on it, and so it's kind of like mm-hmm. social social commentary and things like this. We've also got another book, obviously got some go. We've also got another book by um, an amazing writer called Elizabeth Duval, uh, being translated by Alice Banks. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's again it's, it's it's all quite political. A lot of a lot of the books are quite political lately.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't know I don't know why that is. Maybe it's a reflection of my concerns. But anyway, um, uh, uh, yeah, it's another quite very political book based in Madrid, set in Madrid, really good. And then later on, the last book of the year is, is the first book of four, very exciting, that we're going to be doing by Adria Pujol, who I think is probably the best writer in the Catalan language right now. Wow. Probably loads of people will disagree completely with me, but that's okay. Um, he's, yeah, he's really, really good. And so, um, his first book is coming out and it's kind of like, uh, well, it's, it's sort of semi autobiographical -autobiographical in the sense that it talks about, uh, uh, where he grew up and stuff like this. And it's kind of a mixture of very, very short chapters. Of poetry, of reflections and stuff like this. He's the uh, he's the translator of George Perec uh, oh, into Catalan. Wow. Okay. And so he, he's he's very sort of Perec esque, so mm. to speak. Okay. Um One of his chapters is a an entire poem of I think three um, three verses uh, as a palindrome. So okay. That'll be interesting to translate, I guess. I know.
0: <laughs> How, yeah, translating a palindrome is yeah, that's hard.
1: Yeah, but I think I think doing a palindrome in, in itself is <laughs>
2: difficult.
1: Yeah. So Let alone okay. translating it. Uh, well, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. That's not a problem for for right now. But anyway,
0: right. that sounds amazing.
1: Yeah, and then next year, a few more things, bits and bobs, all exciting, all interesting. Um, I don't know. Time will tell. We'll see.
2: Yeah,
1: okay. I, mean, I guess everyone says the same thing, don't they? We want to. We want to publish books that stand the test of time. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, y- 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 you don't want to publish shit.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, exactly. You yeah. know. Yeah. So you know, we, want, we we only want to publish the the finest literature. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, m- well me too. You know. Funny that, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> so, but yeah, but time will tell. Who knows? Very good, but uh, we can all, we can only try.
2: Yeah.
0: All right. Well, let's move on to your gateway books. What were some of the books that open the world of literature for you? Uh.
1: Well. Oh God. I don't know. Um. Hang on a minute. I I know you sent me this this question, and I should have done my homework, but I. Uh, well, I'll just be honest, shall I? Um, yeah. So I've always, my background's always been quite sort of, um, well, I studied history at university, uh, among, among a couple of other things, but anyway. Um, and uh, Anglo-Saxon literature, the epics, Homer, um, Beowulf, the Seafarer, the Wanderer, the Ruin, Dream of the Rood, stuff like this, that's that's always stuff that's kind of like drawn, I've been drawn to. Um, uh, I also like philosophy a lot. I like reading philosophy and then I read philosophy and then I'm on, you know, I'm on the sofa and then I turn to my wife and I ask her a philosophical question. And she sort of looks at me, rolls her eyes and says, not now, Douglas, please. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I get back to that. Um, texts. Um, touching on the religious, touching on theology, stuff like this. Um, So, yeah, old Anglo-Saxon stuff. Um, Obviously, I mean, I read, you know, when I was younger, The Lord of the Rings. But that was – it was weird, actually, because I think most people get to the Anglo-Saxon stuff through Lord of the Rings, but I got to Lord Mm -hmm. of the Rings through the Anglo-Saxon stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, But in terms of sort of more – modern stuff um I mean I remember reading um 100 years of solitude for the first time I remember being Mm. sort of really blown away by that thinking wow okay you know especially the last lines the last yeah the
0: last the last like pages of that book just unforgettable
1: yeah where it's just like oh my god okay that's it right you know Mm. um uh, so I remember, I remember, you know, being really blown away by that. Um, Orwell, I've always been quite a fan of reading Orwell's works. Mm. Um, again, actually, the last few pages of *Homage to Catalonia*, like if if anyone's listening out there, uh, I recommend reading the last few pages when he when he when he goes home, basically, and it's mm-hmm. such a good ending to the book where he's talking about like the. The enormous shire horses sweating sleepily
2: mm. in the
1: fields and no one's worrying about anything um, except whether the milk's going to be delivered and and the, the copy of the times is on their uh, on their doorstep when they wake up and England's in a deep sleep 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 something like that blah 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 blah. that will only be awoken to the to the to the falling of bombs or something like this and, wow. you, just, and you just think wow yeah,
0: that's pretty yeah uh, okay
1: know and 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 that's basically what happened you know exactly yeah so uh yeah and again I mean I really like philosophy uh I'm reading a book in Catalan I don't don't know if it's available in English um by and again forgive my pronunciation Marcea Eliada a Romanian writer um called uh well the Dictionary of Symbols or a Dictionary of Symbols or a Symbol Dictionary. Probably not that one. Um I like philosophical, philosophical books. I like read Camus. I like Sartre, uh, even though I don't really understand some of Sartre's stuff, but I like it anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh Wittgenstein, big fan of Wittgenstein. Don't have a clue what he's on about most of the time, but it sounds good. I enjoy that.
0: I should ask you, what books are you currently reading or have you recently enjoyed or are you looking forward to? Um... Hmm. Well,
1: I mean, as I said, I'm I'm reading that dictionary of symbols at the moment. Uh, um, What did I just finish the other day? Uh, Another book in Catalan, a philosophical title. I don't know what it's called now. Um, What am I looking forward to? I've got a hell of a a reading. Oh, yeah. I, I bought about six months ago. The uh, Septology.
0: Oh, wow. By Jean John Fosser, right?
1: John Fosser, yeah. So I'm looking forward to reading that. I, 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 it's one of those books, well, it's one of those sort of collection of books. I, mm-hmm. I got the, the, the three, is it three? I think it's three. Um, it's one of those books I kind of feel like I should read, you know? Mm-hmm. Feel like I should read it, and I'm going to get through it. Um, so we'll see. I'm looking forward to that. That's pretty good. Um, but, I don't know. I don't know. It's a pity I'm not upstairs because I've got all the books I should be reading um, up on my desk. But now I can't remember for the life of me any of them. Um, oh, I'm reading a book about William Morris, which I which I enjoy, actually. Just, that's, that's quite good. But it's one of those sort of like, I sort of dip into it and then dip out of it. and so.
0: We'll take a quick break here on Beyond the Zero. We're speaking with Douglas Suttle. Are you stuck in a dead-end job? Has your wage remained the same even though everything else is costing more? Are you looking for a change in career? Well, why not join the BTZ crew of international arms dealers? Flexible hours, great pay, and meet lots of interesting people. And it beats a shit out of teaching. Send your resume through today. Welcome back. It's time for Doug's Desert Island Books.
1: How many books do I get?
0: You can get uh, five to ten, but if you take more, I don't care. Oh my
1: god! All right. And then, do I like uh, get to choose like a food or something like that, or is if it just you want
0: books? To. Oh, well, you can take a food as well. Why not?
1: Well, I would definitely take pizza, basically as the food. Um, <laughs> but not neapolitan neapolitan pizza i like you know just like kind of the, the flat the flat american kind mm-hmm. of pizza you know i think a lot of people i don't know if i should say this i mean no I, I, well i'll tell you and you decide if you can keep it in or not, because this is, this, this is, <laughs> this is controversial. I would say that, uh, that the America, the United States of America is the home of pizza, basically. Um, there I said it. I don't, I don't, know. I don't know if that's, I don't know. I, I don't know. If maybe people are going to, you know,
0: have oh, death no. threats, But it, we've lost all of our Italian listeners. That's it.
1: Uh, oh, no offense. No offense, Italy, but, um, I don't know maybe. Um so yeah I definitely take pizza probably pepperoni probably. Um in terms of books I like very much um I've forgotten his name now. Seamus Heaney's translation of Beowulf. Oh, it's Labour.
0: so good isn't it? Oh my god I read that in uni and man it is like it's so good.
1: It's it's yeah I mean it's it's really good. It kind of puts Uh, you know, for example, Tolkien's one to bed, Mm. I mean, it's you know, so Mm. I really like that, I'll take that Um, you know what this is a terrible one, but I like it Uh, the Orkney Inga saga um, which is a Viking Norse saga uh, about the Orkney Islands Um, I was talking to uh, I was talking to Chad Post about this Mm. he's been doing something with like sagas and stuff yeah, like the Orkney Inga saga, it's just full of right psychopaths. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, you know, I mean, overreactions on a daily basis, you know. You broke my my cup, so I am literally going to destroy your family, you know. And you just think, all right, calm down, everybody. But that was good. I enjoyed that. Um, I mentioned probably how much Catalonia. Would I bring it? All right, I'll bring it. Yeah. Um, One hundred years of solitude, the Tractatus by Wittgenstein, because I can read it all day, every day for the rest of my life, and still not, still not really understand all of it. So that's that's a keeper. Um, What else did I like? Have I liked? uh, um, Last last year, I read a lot of books. Uh, One that stands out now is uh, the Thin Red Line. I mean, it's the, it's, it's the film, you know, like the, you know, okay, you know, yeah. the uh, film, so he, yeah. he based it on really good. There's a really good line in it. Like, he says, obviously, uh, there's a soldier who's about to go into battle or something, and uh, he's thinking to himself, and he's like, you know, what, what am I doing here? Like, is it worth dying? Is it worth mm-hmm. me actually dying, actually being dead, just to show that I'm not afraid? <laughs> I just thought, yeah, that's probably what a lot of soldiers of thing like you know really i mean you know is this what's happening now yeah it just kind of for me it, it put in a very personal way uh it puts sort of war in, in its place uh, as to how absurd it is like seriously we, we are gonna you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna run the risk of dying for what mm-hmm. just to prove to everyone i'm not a coward great you know um how many books am i on i don't know okay and then mm-hmm. i would choose I would use a collection of Anglo-Saxon poetry um, in the original. I like reading it in the original. Um, maybe with the English translation, the modern English translation. Um, that was good. Um, there's another book, which I'm trying to remember the name. Um, the Wake. It's called The Wake. Oh, really like good it. book. Yeah. Enjoyed that a lot. Um, what else? What else? Some of Montserrat Rogers' stuff. I do enjoy her books very much. They really are great. Uh do I get to take like a music or a disc or something?
0: Do you want to take one? Yeah, you're more than welcome. We we we're, we're very open on this program so.
1: Um now, I haven't always done this, but least but lately I've been listening to a lot of classical music, a lot. And um Mendelssohn's Scottish Symphony, Fingal's Cave Overture, um Tchaikovsky's violin concerto as played by uh, Yehudi Menuhin. And finally, Brahms' Fourth Symphony. Incredible. Shout out to all three composers. Um, and uh, I highly recommend you uh, you listen to them, I guess.
0: Well, I'm sure they all listen to this program. No, they're all dead. Anyway. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't, I don't know why I did a shout out, but um, <laughs> just in case.
0: <laughs> That's right. Well, Yehudi Menuhin, like, he's, he's you know, he's fairly recent. He only died a few years ago.
1: Yeah, very old as well, mm. I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, he was, I mean, I mean, I think he was pretty good.
0: Mm. Yeah, definitely.
1: I think, yeah. I think we consider him pretty good. I mean, he's better than me. I mean, I, I was saying this the other day, if, if I could just be half as good at something as Yehudi Menuhin was at playing the violin, I think I'd be mm. pretty happy. Yeah, you know, I'd give and,
0: him an eight out of ten, easy.
1: Eight out of ten <laughs> could, could be better, <laughs> but you know, maybe he should practice more. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. apparently it's something to do with the fact that when he was uh, when he was a boy, when he was just sort of coming out onto the scene, a lot of the violinists. I, I, don't, I don't play the violin, so mm. I don't know what I'm talking about. But a lot of the violinists would slide down to the note. Whereas Yehudi Menemun would slide up to the note, and that was kind mm. of like a bit of a gypsy jazz sort of thing that he had going on. Um, maybe from his – because because this was in the United States – maybe mm. it was from his European, Eastern European sort of
2: yeah.
1: um, background. That's Jewish
2: background, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and that, that, that apparently was something that everyone absolutely loved about him.
2: Mm. So,
1: yeah. No, no. All good. Uh, and as far as that's concerned uh, – I think that's my Desert Island Discs.
2: Awesome.
0: Very cool. All right, well, we should wrap it up. But before we do, can you tell us where we can go and support uh, your amazing press and also where we can get in touch with you and um, where we can buy Summer Chaotica when it comes out?
1: Okay. Great questions. Um, thank you very much. Um, okay, so if you want to support our amazing press, please go to um where you can sign up to be a subscriber for not an awful lot of money a month. That really helps. Um, and you can also buy loads and loads of books um, from there. We try to keep our prices as competitive and low as possible. Um, so hopefully you'll find a couple of books that you like there if not you can uh, you can go to um any good bookshop and you can find our titles there and if they're not there then you can always ask the person there to sort of order them in um that's in the uk in the united states of america uh yeah you can do the same thing because we've got distribution there uh thanks to a guy called Josh who's got a company called asterism mm. uh in Australia, I don't know. I'm we're afraid. getting
0: we're getting good rates through Asterism as well, which is great. So Asterism are doing a lot of really good postage here, so which is very exciting for us because we often didn't get uh, books from overseas at the, these prices. So Asterism Asterism are doing a great job.
2: Okay,
1: love Asterism. Mm. Love Asterism. Um, shout out to Asterism. I don't know, um, and. Uh, yeah, so in the rest of the world, uh, maybe, yeah, you know, the website. Just go to the website, you know? Excellent. Buying direct always helps. Buying through Asterism is awesome as well because Asterism are great. Um, and then in the UK, yeah, I mean, you know, w- wherever you want. Waterstones, local bookshops, Blackwells. I don't think they're ex- – do they still exist?
2: I think they do, yeah.
1: Okay. No, they do. Edit that out. My God.
2: Okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry,
1: a complete blank there. No, they were bought out by Waterstones, but I think they still exist. Oh, Perfect. God, that was awful.
0: Well, congratulations on the release of Summer Chaotica because it is just going to be a massive book. I, I can see so many people listening to this podcast loving this book. So congratulations on that. Congratulations on the press, and thank you so much for joining me.
1: Uh yeah, well, thank you very much on both counts of <clears> the <throat> congratulations. Hopefully, hopefully Sumakotica will do well. Um and hopefully the press will continue and Sumakotaka won't bankrupt the press completely. because it's a big book. Um so fingers crossed for that. Thank you very much for the congratulations. And it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on your podcast. And uh yeah, have a great one.
0: Thanks once again to Douglas Suttle. Check out the show notes for all the details. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at beyondzeropod, and you can email us at beyondzeropod at gmail.com. Don't forget to support this podcast by heading over to patreon.com and searching for Beyond the Zero. We'll be back with the next episode very soon.